You're listening to the Pure Portugal podcast with news and information from and for the Pure Portugal community. Find out more on Facebook or at pureportugal.co.uk. Welcome to this second episode of the Pure Portugal podcast. I'm Carl Munson, host and producer of this deeper monthly delve into living the good life in Portugal. Thank you to everyone who listened to and shared episode one. Thanks for listening. Please keep spreading the word and do send any feedback or requests you have marked for my attention to team at pureportugal.co.uk. For the latest news on property, rentals and holidays in Portugal, please go to pureportugal.co.uk where you'll find a wealth of information and resources about creating your dream life in this wonderful country day to day why not dip into the facebook group that's pure portugal living the good life where there's always plenty of news views and discussion among our community of over 19,000 people okay so let's dive into the june 2018 edition of this podcast which has the overwhelming theme of pioneering and inspiring women who share their stories of creating a life in portugal starting with pure portugal's founding director sophie kempin who recently took part in a commemorative q a session You'll also hear from Lynn Mailu at Avida Fausto, who, still recovering from last year's fire devastation, gives us an incredibly inspiring account of her journey into a life of a different kind of luxury. After Lynn, Anna P.T. is back with another Portuguese language lesson where she gives the heads up on meet and greet vocabulary and phrasing. We then go to Pure Portugal team member Deborah Richmond, who tells us about her fascinating rewilding work and her Quinta de Sabeas project, home of her rewilding project set in the mountains of central Portugal, dedicated as a sanctuary to the honeybee and ecosystem restoration. Last, but by certainly no means least, it's Cressida Mosier, who again has a truly moving story to tell about her downshift and upgrade to life in rural Portugal. Let's begin now, though, with Sophie Kempin, who recently discussed the past, present and future of Pure Portugal as part of the 14th birthday celebrations. I'm joined by Louisa Munson, who shares Sophie's answers, starting with her response to what was the inspiration behind Pure Portugal? Sophie said that Pure Portugal originally came about because a few friends who had guest accommodation in the Quintas asked her to make a website for them. So initially it was only meant to be a website advertising about five holiday rentals. Once the site was published, um, other people started asking if their accommodation could also be advertised. And then she started getting requests to advertise properties for sale. And Pure Portugal now have around a thousand properties for sale and 107 holiday and long term wow, rentals. Fantastic. The um, inspiration was always to promote and support people who are living in a more sustainable way and to inspire and educate others about how they can themselves live more lightly on the land, even if they're living in a big city. So holiday rentals provide an income for the Kinta owners and the holidaymakers can experience an alternative to the usual beach holiday um, and see a different part of Portugal to the well-known Algarve region and learn more about living in more harmony with nature. Brilliant. So Sophie was then asked uh, what she was doing before Pure Portugal was founded. Um, we, uh, Sophie and Andy Hill, were living with our three children and a dog in a Dodge 50. Hmm. We'd hastily converted into a camper van by taking some furniture out of the house and sticking it into the boarded out van with no more nails, um, says Sophie. In the summers, they travelled between UK festivals, providing uh, a buy donation chill out info space. And in the winters, they travelled around France, Spain, Portugal until one spring when they decided just to stay in Portugal. Before that, Sophie was a local group coordinator with um, Friends of the Earth and prior to that studied rural resource development, um, a course with lots of diversity, all centred around countryside issues such as conservation, law and planning for her um, degree. Andy was a founder member of Catalyst Collective, helping people to set up worker and housing cooperatives. And Pure Portugal is a worker cooperative. Mm, that's interesting. Um, the, the, Sophie was then asked what vision that she had for Pure Portugal when it first started. Well, right at the beginning, it was no more than a favour for some friends. So there was never really a vision for Pure Portugal, apart from it being something that aligned with Sophie and Andy's ethics and their desire to see a world based on sustainability, cooperation and trust. They had, of course, fallen in love with Portugal 
and were well aware of all the difficulties and expense of finding land to live on in the UK, especially if you want to live in a caravan, tiny home, natural building, etc., or any other low-impact dwelling, and were passionate about helping others to do what they had just done, find comparatively cheap land on which to build a home and to live a much more self-sufficient life. Brilliant. Um, So what does a typical day look like for the Pure Portugal founder? Well, that's one of the joys of working for Pure Portugal. There's no typical day, um, says Sophie. At the moment, she's taken a four-month sabbatical to volunteer at Joanna Kemp Dressage, helping with all the daily tasks on the yard and supporting Jo in developing her business and, of course, riding unicorns. Of course. Of course. It was through a property sale that she came to be there as she was offered a horse as part payment for a property sale fee. So in that month, her wages were not paid in money, but in a beautiful dapple grey Connemara Cross who's at the yard. But a typical day will usually involve um, flitting between pure Portugal work on the computer, work around the Kinter, plus the daily household chores. And Sophie believes that flexible working hours are really important and that all the team members work together like this. Uh, Mondays are pure Portugal team meeting days where they try to get together physically. Um, five of them of the team live close enough that they can do this regularly. And they also use Zoom so the whole team can catch up weekly. Okay, uh, what would Sophie like people to think of when they think of Pure Portugal? Okay, well, um, she says, I'd love if when people are thinking of moving to Portugal or looking for help and support when they're in Portugal, their first thought is Pure Portugal. Mm-hmm. Um, she hopes they'd see Pure Portugal as Pure Portugal sees themselves, a team of people who are passionate about Portugal and about helping people to live their dreams with lots of experience to share and an understanding of what that involves, as they've already done it or are in the process of doing it. Brilliant. When did Sophie first realise people were really taking notice of Pure Portugal and it was a business that had legs is another question she was asked. Okay, well, Sophie realised that it had taken off when it started taking over her life and was was spending more hours in front of her computer than out doing what she'd come to Portugal to do, i.e. live on the land. Unfortunately, Sophie and Andy had always envisaged having volunteers to help out on the Kinta and they'd volunteered themselves before buying their land and had learnt so much from that. And that enabled Sophie to devote more time to rapidly growing her business. Excellent. And what has been the biggest, proudest achievement since Pure Portugal and its journey began? Okay, well, aside from all the people they've helped to find their dream home, Sophie says that what makes her proud is looking at the amazing Pure Portugal team, uh, which is now up to eight members. Um, She says... I still find it quite hard to believe that writing a website for some friends has, 14 years later, grown into a business that supports eight people. Eight people. That is amazing, yeah. Yeah. Um, Pure Portugal has always been about supporting people, um, be that to find a property, a service, or to provide a job. And it's never been about making a profit, but always about sharing the wealth that they seem to be achieving that, albeit in a small way, but it really makes her happy. That's brilliant, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, she was also asked, if you could go back 15 years and give yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I think she found that as a, a bit of a tough one. Um, Sophie's a very firm believer in everything is as it should be, so she's not sure she'd actually change anything. Good, very philosophical. Very. Excellent. Um, and what about any new projects for Pure Portugal? Sophie mentioned that the team had been um, talking about about a possible Pure Portugal community fund so that they can give more support to projects and individuals working towards sustainability. But as yet, there's no clear idea of how that could look. So any ideas are welcome. And we'll give you the email address at the end. Uh, Finally then, Sophie thought about what Pure Portugal might look like in another 15 years. Um, Okay, things I'd really like to develop, she says, are the partnerships with other businesses and services so that we'd have a much more comprehensive services directory. Uh, We've always believed in be the change you want to see in the world and moving away from a competitive business environment into more collaboration and cooperation is something that's very important to Pure Portugal. Sophie would like to involve the Pure Portugal community and network in funding for sustainable projects and she'd really love to see Pure Portugal having a greater influence on water retention landscape and reforestation as she feels these are the two or two of the most important issues here in Portugal. And Sophie um, concluded by saying, although we are, of course, deeply passionate about helping people find their dream property, selling property has never really been the main function of Pure Portugal. Or at least maybe I should say that our role is about so much more than selling property. What we're really, truly passionate about is being instrumental in seeing those properties brought back to life in a sustainable way and enabling people to live a much better quality of life whilst having a lower environmental impact even having an environmental benefit. This has always been the driving force behind Pure Portugal, playing a small part in helping to create a better world for the people and the planet. 
and this ethos permeates the whole business and we're always seeking out new ways that we're able to do this brilliant so, so there's they, the backstory that's, it, that's the backstory yeah. you can contact sophie and the team at team at pureportugal.co.uk that's team at pureportugal.co.uk thank you louisa you're welcome madame mademoiselle monsieur n'oubliez pas notre site francophone de pure portugal et notre page facebook à bientôt um, so lovely now to be talking to Lynn on the Pure Portugal podcast about her absolutely beautiful project called Avida Fausto. Um, and one of the great shortcomings of a podcast, of course, is you can't see the pictures. And Lynn, your project is so beautiful to look at on the screen. You've done some incredible work there. Congratulations. Lo thank you for talking to me today. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> it is beautiful here. Well, it was more beautiful before the fire, but uh, it's easy to... Um, make it beautiful because it's so beautiful from itself. Okay, if we could start then with here, where are you exactly uh, in, in the Portuguese countryside? I live in Serdaira, which is a village close to Benfeita and Koja in Arganil. Oh, right, okay, yeah, F fabulous part of the world. And um, <laughs> it, I, I, I heard there that you were affected by the fires quite seriously last year. I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, and um, how how was that for you? I mean, how, how devastating was it? Well, it's uh, not easy uh, question to answer because there have been so many layers of intense things happening. The fire itself, to me, wasn't necessarily so traumatic in the material sense because... Yeah, we just had built up everything here and it was obviously very sad to see it go, but it's also material stuff, so you can, you know, rebuild that. Sure. Um, but it's really intense to also feel nature's destruction and um, you can't really imagine up front what it means when a really large community, because the region that got hit by the fires is huge you drive for hours and it's still there so when an entire community is affected a lot of other things come into play like your social network is also kind of not really there anymore because everyone has their own problems and um, communication was really difficult because we didn't have internet or phone lines for a long time And yeah, after the fire, so much extra stuff happened. Um, I lost two of my um, pigs, my animals, not fire related, but it also happened. And yeah, it was a total thing of not having a secure place to operate from. So everything was really shaky and still is for a lot of people. Yeah, I'm sure. So, Yeah, it's really a good opportunity for growth, although not always easy. <laughs> sure, well, it's amazing you can see it that way. Um, and I suppose there is the immediate shock, isn't there? It's easy for me to say. I mean, I was just like horrified by the images I was seeing, but there must be the immediate shock. And then the implications of it or the consequences just, I guess, keep coming, don't they? Yeah. And you're not really aware of your shock while you're living it. But now I can say, looking back, that. Our, our bodies are really amazing because they put you in survival mode. Um, yeah. And they also say that you should not want within six months to be back on track because it will take about six months before you can even start. Um, yeah, when, before you are out of that survival mode and your brain slowly starts to work fully again. So... Yeah, it's a very interesting experience to live and lots of lessons are in there. And um, yeah, it was also crazy that we had this winter right after the fires because it's never so wet and cold in Portugal ever. Wow. And with all the people without houses, it became a sort of an extra challenge and roads um, crumbling, people not being able to leave their house because all their tracks and roads were um, destroyed by the volume of water. So, yeah, that was also a very 
Oh, my God. You've been so up <laughs> against it. So not only the fires, but a pretty harsh and, and long winter as well. So I bet you're glad to see yeah. some sunshine now, aren't you? Yeah, since this week, we finally have some <laughs> yeah. sun, which is lovely. <laughs> it's taken its time, isn't it? Yeah, it is everywhere. Like all the Portuguese people also, they're like, what is this? And yeah, it's difficult for the harvest and the tomatoes don't want to grow. It's mid-June and finally it's sunny. <laughs> uh, well, I wish you so much love and luck for a, a very productive and abundant um, summer because that's really what um, Avida Fausto is all about isn't it it's lovely your your site that I mentioned there um, and um, you're you're looking at well maybe you could tell me I mean you've got a different take on luxury haven't you the city girl <laughs> who's living a different kind of luxury I think is the, is, is the angle on this yeah because that's also what Avida Fausto means um, in old Portuguese it means something like the luxury luxury life or a blessed life um, it's also the name of my dog, my first rescue dog, Fausto. So Brilliant. he's very, he's been very much an inspiration to go here and do this. But yeah, redefining luxury for me is very important in um, the time we live in and the capitalistic society that got us a bit, um, yeah, got us in a direction that I don't feel is. Uh, brings a lot of happiness mm. we chase happiness but in the end it's all um yeah based on material goods and wealth and all that stuff so from experience living here i realize happiness is, comes from a whole different place and true luxury is something you feel and not so much something you accumulate or um so, yeah, nature is a very rich place in that sense. And uh, I find a lot of luxury here, although um, I don't have much stuff anymore. And, yeah, that's what I try to... Uh... If that was the only thing we have on our podcast this month, it would be totally worthwhile. The, your articulation of your lifestyle and luxury there. Absolutely love that. Um, and tell me, um, how did you make this transition? Um, yeah, well, that happened also gradually because I was, um, I think it's been since I was born kind of going into this direction, but, uh, the first 30 years of my life I spent in cities and I worked in places like advertising and, um, I've been very curious, um, in observing our societies and um, I studied two years in New York as well and that was a really good place to see the the really extreme duality and well consumerism at its best and all of those experiences were learning moments for me to understand um, yeah what the society is not what the society pretends to be but what we what it actually is and um yeah i became more conscious of all of that and then i started to think about ways of how i could do things differently and in my city life i started to make more conscious decisions but i also hit a lot of dead ends there so in at one day i could not morally defend it to myself to stay in the city and i was looking then at a place where I could start from with the basics like food, shelter, and well-being and how um, I could do that in a more circular way um, because I also worked as a consultant for a circular economy projects and cradle-to-cradle designs so that helped me uh, find some sort of um, umbrella where I could do things under. And I, yeah, then I thought if I do it with food and shelter and well-being and work my, work my way up from there, then maybe we find an alternative lifestyle that is less destructive and um, contributes to our own well-being as well as that of our planet. So then I looked at a country where I could do that. And yeah, as soon as I decided it, everything started to fall effortlessly in place and... 
if it didn't feel like a really abrupt uh, decision, it just went. <laughs> you got some flow. So, yeah. Yeah, amazing. Incredible. And well, what a contrast from <laughs> New York City to um, uh, rural Portugal. Sounds fantastic. And hello, yeah. is that Fausto was just saying, saying hello there? Yeah, that was Fausto and Falkor and Fuxi and Niva because I have four rescue dogs by wow. now. <laughs> wow, that's brilliant. also I could actually what Portugal brings. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I could uh, talk to you all day. Um, uh, and as I said earlier on, I'm sure you've got other things to be getting on with there. Um, but just one more question, if I could ask you that, um, because we, we only have um, a very, relatively short podcast as well. But um, a lot of people would find your life, despite all you've been through, um, I think quite um, an enviable place to be or where they would aspire to, to want to be. And what you articulate, I think, is in so many people's hearts and, and visions now as a, a better way to live. Um, I don't mean better, you know, in a competitive sense, but a more appropriate and, and uh, holistically valuable way to live. Um, what, what would you say to people who, who, who want to make that step and, you know, thinking about Portugal, thinking about making the jump that you've made? What would be your advice to them as somebody who sounds like you've really had to, um, although you've had a lot of, you know, lovely times, you've had to learn the hard way as well by the sound of it? Yeah, well, I can only say from my experience how um, things worked out for me. And I, I do feel it would be similar for other people as well. But before I got here, I had to look very much and very honest into my own fears and emotional fears, I mean by that. And we all have those, although for every person they are different. And when I started to look at these things and my coping me mechanisms I had established over the years growing up in society, um, I was able to um step over them or 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 um yeah let them not control me and then it's very important to find your joy like without the fear of not having money or the fear of security the fear of the unknown or whatever fears you're dealing with first you have to acknowledge that and work with it but then just when when you're at a certain point where you're conscious about these things then follow your joy because your joy points you in the direction where in the end all the other things that you're maybe afraid of fall into place and um yeah i won't say that everyone could follow what i'm doing because this is my joy and this is what makes me really happy every day and for someone else it's completely something different but often we are um, hold back to follow that what excites us the most because of those fears and beliefs that we have imprinted in our minds and um, yeah I also hear when people come to visit me they actually want something like this but there's always five, six, seven, eight excuses why they can't. And it's really <laughs> those excuses you should look at for yourself because they're all an illusion. Wow. And yeah, then... That that is such beautiful advice, Lynn. That's amazing. A music to my ears and my heart and my soul. That's lovely. I'm sure it will be to a lot of other people as well. But yeah, um, follow your bliss, your joy, I guess, but also... Uh, take a second look at those excuses that that come up the things that stop you mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> then everything is provided for you suddenly i mean it's sometimes a bit harry potter magic to me but it's real <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. that's brilliant so yeah this is the making the muggle transition um going <laughs> going off grid um from being a muggle uh, in in the society that a lot of us, I think, are having second thoughts about, and then discovering some of the magic, like Lynn's done there. Lynn, so, thank you so much for talking to me. Really appreciate it. The uh, website you, is avida a v i d a f a u s t o dot net avida fausto dot net. It's a yes. great name as well. Beautiful. Um, thank you so much, and, and uh, lo lots of love to the to, to the four dogs there as well. <laughs> I will do. I hug them. Thank Every you. day, a lot of times. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you very much indeed. 
Este é o podcast de Puro Portugal com o Calmanson. Thank you. Olá, bem-vindos ao meu segundo podcast. Hello, welcome to my second podcast. O meu nome é Ana Piti. My name is Ana Piti. E no último podcast falei um pouco sobre mim, mas hoje vão poder ouvir um pequeno diálogo na forma formal com frases simples para vocês aprenderem a apresentar-se a outras pessoas. In the last podcast, I spoke a bit about myself, but today you will listen a small dialogue in a formal way with simple sentences for you to introduce yourselves to others. Então, vamos começar. So, let's start. You can repeat after. Olá, como está? Olá, estou bem, obrigada. E você? Eu também estou bem, obrigada. Ainda bem. Sim, um, hoje está muito calor aqui. Está 30 graus. Sim, sim. E a temperatura vai subir amanhã. Vão estar 35 graus amanhã. Ah, sim? Ainda mais? Sim, sim. O verão é muito quente nesta região de Portugal. Sim. Você é daqui? Sim, sou. E você? Eu sou de Israel. Ah, Israel. Sim, sim. Muito bem. Há quanto tempo vivo aqui em Portugal? Vivo aqui há dois anos e meio. Ah, já fala muito bem português. Sim, já o falo um pouco. Obrigada. Como se chama? Chamo-me Sharon. E você? Chamo-me Ana. Olha, vou ter que ir. Tenho de ir apanhar o comboio para Lisboa. Adeus. Muito prazer conhecê-la. Ah, sim. Obrigado. Igualmente. Adeus. Adeus. Muito bem. Este foi o segundo podcast. Farewell. This was our second podcast, guys. Obrigado por me ouvirem. Thank you so much for listening. Se vocês quiserem ter algumas aulas de português no Skype, por favor, contactem-me no Facebook, Learning Portuguese with Anna PT. If you want to have some Portuguese lessons on Skype, please contact me on Facebook, Learning Portuguese with Anna PT. A primeira aula experimental é grátis e vocês são mais do que bem-vindos. The first trial lesson is free and you are more than welcome. Também faço residências de português para vocês poderem mergulhar durante três dias nesta língua. Por isso, se estiverem interessados, por favor, estejam atentos às datas dos próximos eventos na página do Facebook Portuguese Language Residence. Also, I create residence for you to immerse yourself for three days in this language. So, if you are interested, please check out the dates on Facebook page Portuguese Language Residency. No próximo podcast, iremos aprender um pouco mais sobre esta língua maravilhosa. On our next podcast, we will learn some more about this amazing language. É tudo por hoje. That's all for today. Se vocês tiverem alguma sugestão, por favor enviem-me uma mensagem. Agradeço-vos imenso. If you have any suggestions, please send me a message. I will be most appreciated. Obrigada. Thank you. Até breve. See you soon. You're listening to the Pure Portugal podcast with news and information from and for the Pure Portugal community. Find out more on Facebook or at pureportugal.co.uk. This would ordinarily be the what's going on in your garden feature of the Pure Portugal podcast. However, yeah. the person I wanted to speak to is Deborah Richmond, who's on the other end of the line, actually in England this time, but she'll still obviously be able to tell us about her incredible project uh, based at what is formerly known as the Quinta de Chabayash. Good morning to you, Deborah. Thank you for joining me. Good morning, Carl. Nice to be here. Yes, and it is nice to be in the UK. I think it was what you mean, right? Because the weather's better there than it is in Portugal. What's going on? <laughs> It is. I hear everyone in Portugal waiting for the sun, but it's really warm. And um, I'm just in uh, Devon at the moment. There's a lot of environmental work here. So I'm kind of tapping into 
lots of knowledge for the next phase of uh, Quintadasa Bellias. This would be ordinarily, tell me what's going on in your garden. You're not actually in your garden, so it's a bit difficult to do that. But more interesting news possibly is your recent name change and the reason behind that. So our land is, it's 12 hectares and it's dedicated as a bee sanctuary. And I guess our project really represents the kind of soil insect life um we're a much smaller scale to some of the you know the thousands of hectares of rewilding projects and we're really focusing on healing the soil bringing back the insects a particular focus obviously on the honeybee of these uh, incredible important aspects of the ecosystem so we're very much in at the moment with uh, composting swale making hugel beds um reforestation really grassroots movement up and from the kind of that aspect of rewilding um, we're going to monitor bit by bit how much what you know what is coming back what animals what insects it's a life project really and um, it sounds so wonderful And, and the name of the new project well, we're still the the farm is called Quintadas Abelias, but we're kind of going under the rewilding our planet and um, and being part of the rewilding movement across across planet Earth. Oh, super! Uh, yeah. Did you see Chris Packham in the news? It might might be more evident in the UK actually that Chris Packham, BBC uh, naturalist, he is talking about you know a, a, an environmental apocalypse occurring and how we've turned nature into like our favourite works of art, and we just sort of drive and go and look at them and. Uh, these sort of sanctuaries that are very different to the sort of thing you're talking about. Would you resonate with what Chris is saying? I yeah, I also really can connect with that. I you know we've we're in this kind of polarity of new technologies versus um, coming back to nature, and it's um, you know you spend time in nature in all the aspects, and it's it's just inspiring. And so I think all this new there's so many projects around at the moment that are uh, supporting and collaborating with nature. It's it's an exciting time. Yeah, yeah. Against the, the 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 bigger picture that could cause terrible sort of fear and anxiety, there are so many wonderful things happening, such as your project and the sort of things I think Chris Packham wants to bring about. Talking, bringing that together with the integration that you mentioned before, have you come to the attention of of, of the Portuguese authorities or or NGOs that are in, involved in similar work, or are you a little bit under the radar at the moment? Because we've been doing a lot of land observation and watching the first year and a half. But more and more, um, there is discussions that I'm starting to have now to link our projects um, up. And also within where our farm is, there's a lot of other farms, our neighbours, etc. So we're collaborating. So I see over the next year or two, much more discussions with um, other projects so that we can. It's a kind of a collaboration of our joint, I guess, our joint visions. And these things can't be hurried, can they? As much as we'd like to. They can't, you know. There's a, there's a lot of things that you just have to focus on one step at a time, yeah. and uh, manage that, yeah, as efficiently with with the joy and lightness, you know. Well, that's worth remembering, isn't it? Because it, it can be very difficult. It's lovely to hear the, somebody talking about joy and lightness as well. Exactly, you know. And when you mentioned before the challenges that we're facing as a, a human race, you know, we've just got to use those as a mirror and just keep acting with what we feel drawn to. Yeah, this is a this is a it's a playful, joyful journey of reconnecting back to nature and um, integrating right. back. Thank you so much for putting it like that. It's lovely. What a great way to start a Monday. I'm recording this on a Monday morning, and that's a really nice way to start the day. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. And, and you yeah. mentioned there about the first year of observation. Now that is an unusual thing for any gardener in the Western world to be thinking about. It's it's not doing anything. Yeah. Do you recommend it's... that as a way forward for people? You know, I guess in their mind. A lot of people who are coming wanting to live off grid, they want to roll their sleeves up and get stuck into their plot and make and turn it into the heaven on earth that they've envisaged all those years stuck behind a desk, maybe hoping to get escape the rat race. What are you suggesting they should come and just whoa, take it all in, yeah. take it easy? I think you know, for us anyway, to watch the land through the four seasons, yeah, is so important. You know, nature has so much to teach us if we can slow down and observe and so for us it was really important where's the water moving you know what are the plants that are showing each season what what happens when you do I mean we've done delicate interventions you know we've done some pine felling what happens when more light comes into um, the monoculture and what we've seen for example is the saplings are wanting to come through you know the oak and chestnut with just some light coming in 
So I think the observation and just gentle interventions gives you so much information that there's no need to rush into anything. Nature will show you what what way to go. Um, and that comes from um, observation. Oh, that is such great advice. Thank you so much. And um, given that the, that we might be talking about what's going on in your garden, which is, I hope, a feature that people will relate to and want to share their experiences of working on their garden. But uh, it sounds that you, you will have learned a lot from being where you are and, and this process that you're going through. <laughs> what, what is the uh, biggest or hardest lesson? This is Because, you know, we're, we're aimed at helping people um, create the good life and, you know, come and, and, and live off grid maybe or certainly connect with nature in, in, in some way or other. What would you say is... That, is, is the biggest lesson or some of the biggest lessons you've learned in that process and, and and what would you reflect back to people starting and embarking on that journey yeah that's a good question um I've loved nature from you know all my life but I've never lived in nature and my process I think first of all was just the incredible um insight of just really being in nature the stars the moon the patterns you know actually for me the first stage was integrating back into nature and slowing down, yeah. you know, getting in the rhythm of nature, not trying to do so much straight away. So I would really recommend that. And also just take your time and make the connections. And there will be a hundred opinions on one topic. So, you know, so listen to all the discussions. Um, good not to become opinionated and get rigid. Yeah. So listen, observe, and then take it back to how it feels for you and how that integrates with your specific piece of land. There's there's a lot of wealth of knowledge in Portugal and also, you know, in other countries, England, for example. So just take your time yeah. and get clear on the vision. So hold the vision, but don't be attached to this end goal. Enjoy the journey. And I have witnessed quite a lot of, you know, getting to the end goal is the priority, but I actually just enjoy the process. And each day will show you the next piece of information you need to know for the project. Oh, that's so superb. And perhaps we should leave it there. I suppose it's like getting off grid psychologically as well, isn't it? Oh, it's actually, I think, <laughs> the crux of it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's the other thing, of course. The honeybee in Portugal. What are the simple things people can do to, to welcome the honeybee uh, or treat the honeybee with the respect it deserves because i mean that's that's <laughs> that's a kind of archetypal natural thing that people have really understood isn't it in these last in this last decade yeah and you know what there's a big movement at the moment um log hive movement so returning the bees the honeybee to its natural habitat it once thrived in trees so if you don't have the time or the space um to actually become you know an involved beekeeper I would recommend um, buying or making a log hive. We, I can give descriptions on our site, um, rewildingourplanet.com, and, yeah, help the natural um, natural habitat of the honeybee. So have a log hive up in one of your trees. Right, you heard, Deborah. That is an order. Um. <laughs> it would be great. The, the honeybee would be very appreciative. Yes, she speaks on behalf of the honeybees, guys. You should listen to that advice. I mean, we're not very prescriptive here, but that's something I want you all to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that'd be great. Thank you. All right. Cheers, Deborah. Have a great time in the UK. And uh, yeah, uh, look forward to meeting you in, in person in Portugal sometime. Yeah, likewise. Thanks, Terrific. Carl. Bye now. Madame, mademoiselle, monsieur, n'oubliez pas notre site francophone de Pure Portugal et notre page Facebook. À bientôt. Um, we're on the Pure Portugal podcast, and it's great now to be talking to Cressida Mosier, who is near Coimbra. She'll tell us more about exactly where she is. But thank you so much for joining us, Cressida, and talking to us about your Pure Portugal experience. Well, I really appreciate the invitation, Carl. Thanks for having me on. Uh, no problem at all. I think, um, from what I know of you, uh, people will be very envious of your of the setup you've got. So perhaps you could tell us a little bit about your uh, your own version of living the good life, pure Portugal style. When did you come to this country? Uh, so how long have you been here? Where are you, and how is it going? Okay, so um, I first visited Portugal um, in. April of 2016 for about three weeks. I was actually on a 10-month travel and I came for a couple of weeks to work on a permaculture small holding um, as I was trying to learn a bit about gardening at the time. And I'd never actually been to the country even though I'd been all over Europe um, and at that time I was 40. 
And I actually just fell for the landscape. I was really taken with the beauty of it, the greenery of it. So I thought, I'm going to come back and explore a bit more, which I did in June 2016. Um, and actually, I've never left since then. So I've been traveling around the country. I spent a year in Porto and I've ended up in the sort of central region near the near Queenborough, in the Queenborough district. Um, and I'm sort of living in a, a rural village in a 150-year-old traditional stone-built house at the moment. See, I told I told you people would be jealous of that. How, how, that's, a, that's, <laughs> that's amazingly quick. Um, and is it a method you would um, recommend to other people? Because some people stick a pin in the map, don't they, from America or from the UK or wherever they come from, and they do all the preparations to be in a place that feels right from looking at a map. You've obviously done it the other way. You've immersed yourself completely and travelled around. Um, is that just how you do things? And, and it, uh, would you recommend it to anybody else? Oh, um, I can only really give my my version of events, which was that... I left the UK knowing that I was never going to go back and I was specifically looking for a warmer climate, um, a country where I could buy a property and start a business. And so I was actually very, very fortunate to have some savings to actually enable me to take my time and look around. Um, but I've had friends here who've done exactly the opposite. They've come on holiday, like you said, stick a pin in the map and um, They've been on holiday and they thought, I'll just take a look at a couple of properties whilst I'm here and then ended up finding a place, literally buying it that week wow. and then sort of coming back to the country a year later. So I don't think there's any sort of set way of doing it. I think everybody has to kind of figure it out in a way that suits them best. Um, but I think one advantage of actually exploring a country is that you you get to meet people, you learn the culture, you can learn a bit of the language um, you can see which area of the country in terms of climate is a good fit for you. So there's definitely a lot of pros for, for actually spending as much time in the country that you're thinking of moving to as possible. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And the great thing about Portugal, of course, is is when you tour around here, you have so many good experiences and such a diversity of them. When, when we first arrived here, we were thinking, the first nice place we found, right, we want to live here. But you don't have to do that in Portugal, do you? No, not at all. I mean, as I said, I, I actually lived in Porto for a year, but before that I spent three months travelling from north to south, um, from the centre to the coast, and it took me a while to figure out exactly where I wanted to be based in order to start looking for a property to buy. And when I arrived in Porto, I was just blown away. It's such a stunning city. And um, I started looking for a place to sort of rent and then very quickly made some friends. So I immediately felt welcomed into the country. Um, I'm sure a lot of people experience um, how welcoming the Portuguese are and how helpful everybody is here. And so you actually do really feel part of the country and the culture very quickly. Um, and it's a lovely feeling and, and one that has made me want to make it my home. Yeah, brilliant. And that's really incredible to hear you say uh, you were leaving the UK and that was it. You, you just were certain where you this was it. You were burning your longboat, as it were. <laughs> I, uh, so my story is that um, I, I had a lovely um, life, actually, in London. I had a good job. Um, I owned a couple of properties. I had a good group of friends. You know, from the outside, everything looked absolutely sort of rosy, and it was. And yet, for whatever reason, I didn't really find it fulfilling. Um, so in June 2015... Uh, I, I remember it almost to the day of making a note on my phone saying, I don't want this life anymore. I want something different. And I didn't know exactly how that was going to look at the time. But I got my affairs in order and within the six month period had set everything up to enable me to leave the UK without having to return again. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, I was burning my bridges, I suppose. But I felt like I'd done everything that I'd wanted to do there and I'd achieved everything that I'd wanted to as well. And so I thought there has to be a, the next step. And so it's a bit scary, but I'm going to go for it. Incredible. Um, so inspiring. And I cannot wait to see the movie. <laughs> that, that, can I? Um, obviously, all roads lead <laughs> to um, Pure Portugal here. Uh, we, this is the podcast that we're on, of course. And it sounds as though Pure Portugal were helpful to you and the other friends you mentioned in buying properties here. What's your experience of Pure Portugal? 
Well, I actually came across their website when I was doing some initial searches into finding a property to buy. Um, but then I actually started working with an estate agent locally in Porto. And he found something for me which I felt was quite appropriate. And I visited it five or six times. I took friends there. I even took my mum there to check it out. And I was very close to actually making the decision to go ahead with the sale. Um, so I met with the estate agent in the afternoon. And um, as you do in Portugal, I had a strong espresso. But there was just a <laughs> nagging feeling in me it, that it wasn't quite right. And so after that meeting, I decided not to go ahead with the sale. I went back to my apartment and I got on the Pure Portugal website and, you know, sort of uh, fired up with a bit of caffeine. I started going through every single page of their property section. And by 5 a.m. in the morning, the following morning, I actually came across the house that I ended up buying. And um, it was on the second to last page. And as soon as I saw the pictures, I was immediately interested. And the more I sort of researched the detail of what was included um, with the property and the photographs and the location, I, I actually had such a strong sense that this was the right place that um, I booked a few nights stay a couple of weeks later in the area and came and checked it out. Um, and this was before I even met the owners or actually viewed the property officially because it was such a strong sense. And so for me, Pure Portugal was actually my stepping stone to finding my long-term dream home. Amazing. Uh, this is even more filmic. And the idea of like, <laughs> like espresso, espresso-based sales, I think um, <laughs> Sophie, and, Sophie and the team might like to look at some sort of sponsorship deal with a coffee company to help boost sales in the middle of the night. Um, but also, there's, a, there's an obvious tie-in here with Nespresso and George Clooney being in the movie that we're talking about of, of this oh, story. Oh, no, we're talking. I'm not sure how his wife would feel about that. I thought that. you might I'm like that. game, Carl. Yes, OK. <laughs> um, and you, you mentioned before, for you, moving here is, is about uh, having a, a life as well as a business. So could you tell us more about that and how that all works? So first of all, my business started off being about um, holiday home rental and turning this into a project which incorporates food and cooking from the land, um, garden to table dining, supper clubs, cookery workshops, that kind of thing. But actually, as time has gone on, and yes, of course, I want to incorporate all that and sort of share it with people who are interested. What I'm finding is actually I really want this project to be inspirational to other people to follow the dreams that they may have and to know that they can achieve them. And, you know, please don't think that it's been plain sailing or, you know, completely rosy all of the time because there have been some really tough moments um, along the way, but sure. I, I, I've kind of dug deep, you know, I've, I've had the support of my family and my friends who have been amazing. In those moments of doubt, I just have to kind of remember why I'm doing this, and it's because I'm, I'm truly, genuinely passionate about it. And so, yes, the project is about come here, experience what the life is like, and um, perhaps step away from your busy life a little bit, but actually give yourself some space and time to truly think about perhaps where you want your life to be and where you want to go with it. And that's actually becoming more and more important to me, that sort of inspiration to, to others. Um, and it's something that I'd really like to impart. So that's an incredible service you're offering. How, how do people find out about it? Um, well, at the moment, um, it's a bit of a slow burn at the moment. Of course, I'm on social media like Facebook and Instagram, and I have a website as well. And the, the business and the project is called Cressida's House, plain and simple. Um, but actually, because I'm undergoing a ruined renovation at the moment for guest accommodation, and I'm getting the permaculture gardens up and running, it will probably be in, it won't be until next May that I'll be fully opened and ready to receive guests and visitors. Um, so really in that time, it's, uh, yeah, just checking out my YouTube channel, Cressida's House, or my Facebook page and, and the website, and just seeing what's going on with the project, because I tend to document everything, and, and it's lovely to hear other people's comments and ideas, and I get people contacting me from all over as far as um, the States, 
um, because people want to change their lives as well. And, and of course, I'm very happy to offer any advice and help or support that I can. That's an incredible um, service. Because it makes me very happy to be able to do it. Yeah, and that's another part. I mean, on, on the face of it, uh, Pure Portugal, Pure Portugal Limited are, are selling properties, putting in people in touch with rental properties. But it's not to be uh, understated the power of the community, which I see in the group on Facebook is over 19,000 members strong. It's an incredible place to get help. Airing a question and getting genuine, heartfelt, experience-based uh, responses from people. Would you agree? Oh, I, I I couldn't agree more, Carl, 100%, because whenever I've had a query, a question, you know, I've had no idea about where to go and look for this or that. I, I always post on the Pure Portugal page and ask people, and you get an overwhelming response. Um, and I think when I started vlogging about my ruin renovation, and people were amazing. I think I got 200 likes on one of the videos and people commenting and, you know, being so supportive. And as a single woman doing this on my own in a country that is, you know, more familiar, but still foreign to me, it's amazing to have that network of people that you can just reach out to. It's oh, absolutely lovely. fantastic. Superb. Yeah. Okay. Um, before you go, and thank you so much uh, for, for sharing some of your, your time with us to talk about your experience, because I know you've got a ruin to renovate. <laughs> That's the, you've got work <laughs> to do. Um, but if could you just put us in the picture for people who, who might want to use your services and, and your position in Portugal and you know, if someone comes to stay at Cressida's house, what does that give them access to in terms of your location and all the arcs from there, there out? It's a very peaceful setting, obviously, but it's only half an hour from Queenborough. You've got Porto an hour and a half away. So there's plenty to see and do here. There's also all of the nature that you're surrounded by as well. So incredible waterfalls and woodlands. So I think you've got the coast as well. So I think, in essence, it, it can pretty much, hopefully, host what everybody is looking for mm. um, and perhaps just give them that time and space to reflect on, on what they want in their lives. It's like potted Portugal in, in one place. <laughs> I like that. But you can use that if you like. Fantastic. Yeah, I might do. <laughs> Christina, thank you so much for talking to us on the Pure Portugal podcast. Really appreciate it. I need to just call Hollywood now and get back to you. My, my, my people will, will get in touch with your people about the film rights. Fantastic. You're doing all the PR for me. Appreciate it, Carl. <laughs> right, it's been great chatting. Thank you very Thanks. much. Bye-bye. You're listening to the Pure Portugal podcast with news and information from and for the Pure Portugal community. Find out more on Facebook or at pureportugal.co.uk.